Okay, hey, turning to uh, introducing our guest speaker. When Brian, can you come on up? So in the original plan, we were going to end last week, but we thought, you know what, let's add a bonus week. And I want to introduce you to uh, Dr. Brian Underly. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, can everyone welcome Brian? Mm-hmm. So, uh, oh, you see my surprise. So Brian is a, a chemistry professor at UC Davis, Mm-hmm. Uh, where he has taught for the last uh, 22 years. Yeah. Uh, is that right? Right around there. Mm-hmm. And uh, really a super popular uh, professor uh, at Davis, uh, Rate My Professor. He does very well. Oh, thanks. Uh, he, uh, I used to be a college pastor uh, in Davis, and mm-hmm. every one of my students knew who Dr. Underly was. Mm. They wanted to get into his classes. Mm. I mean, he fills lecture halls. Mm-hmm. Uh, can we see if I can make you blush? Um, <laughs> really popular um, uh, sometimes YouTube videos of fun, creative things he does in his classes, uh, mm. you blow up and all the students are passing around. You got to see what happened in Dr. Underly's class. Really popular professor there. And um, uh, I reached out to him and said, you know, would you be willing to come and speak to us on the topic of are faith and science compatible? And uh, uh, he said, yeah, I can do it. So I'm really grateful to have him. Uh, some of you might know him from his uh, popular books, his uh, oh. big writings. Um, this one, for example, maybe maybe you've read it. Um, I know I have. Arenium carbonyl bonded to highly dealumated <laughs> zeolite Y colon structure yeah. determination by infrared and X-ray absorption spectroscopies. Yeah, pretty good. That was really. How good. How many people have read it? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Someone in the back. Fantastic. Uh, not uh, not to be outdone by its uh, its best-selling sequel. Alkene hydrogenation catalyzed by rhenium carbonyl bonded to highly dealumated Y zeolite colon <laughs> spectros- spectroscopic characterization by th- of the working catalyst. I like it to be catchy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's memorable that it's way. It's giving you a preview of uh, the, the sermon here. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to. Uh, okay, this one's this one's pretty good. I like this title. This title's more catchy. Oh, this yeah. title of your, yeah. of your uh, article or whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, nano clusters in nano cages. Oh, yeah. I see, I see what you did there. memorable, yeah. But then you added a colon. Has it got to be a colon? Platinum clusters and platinum complexes in zeolite LTL probed by 129XE NMR <laughs> spectroscopy. Is that how you read it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say this word. I don't live in this world. So um, I might have gone without the, the colon and just uh, kept the a right little bit, yeah, a little yeah. bit catchy. So and then and then one more. This one was a group effort. You and a, a team of uh, professors oh, yeah. wrote a single site platinum. Is that carbon monoxide CO? Yeah, carbon monoxide mm-hmm. oxidation catalyst in zeolite KLTL colon. <laughs> microscopic and spectroscopic determination of the location of the platinum atoms. This gets me excited. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you fired up? I'm fired up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's Dr. Underly, uh, a brilliant mind, and um, also uh, has worked with InterVarsity uh, uh, over the years as well. Mm-hmm. And so I know him in that, in that capacity. So uh, it's a great joy to have uh, Dr. Underly here with mm-hmm. us to speak on the topic of faith and science. Yeah. And I wonder if we could just start by, by praying for him, and then we'll just let him take it away. God, we thank you for Brian. We thank you that he was able to make time to be here with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're so grateful and so grateful for the way that you've used him so many ways. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And we just, uh, we're asking the question, God, um, you know, how does all that we learn of you fit with all that we learn from science? And do these two worlds, are they compatible? God, we just pray that you'd bless Brian as he, as he teaches us. And we pray that we'd be able to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Thanks. Brian. Let's welcome him one more time. All right. You, it's great to be here. Hello. Hello. Nice to be here. Uh, you may wonder why I wear a tie and Pastor Matt does not. And that's because at any given moment, I may need to do a calculation. So I have the periodic table on my tie. So if you need it to do a titration later, let me know. Uh, and this may sound miraculous. I, I don't know how you'll take it, but if you look at the next slide, uh, someone married me, <laughs> and this is my family, Peggy and Isaac. I know what you're thinking, trophy husband. Uh, today we're going to... Uh, take a look at how science and God are compatible. And uh, oh, several years ago, I uh, was able to give a TEDx talk. And at that talk, you'll see a picture of it here. Uh, there was a bunch of us, and we speak quick, you know, uh, briefly on different topics. And to the right side of the picture was the green room. And I walked into the green room for my session. I was speaking in the afternoon. And when I walked in, I was greeted by a volunteer, and there were no pleasantries, actually. He just, knowing that I was going to speak on God and science, he came up pretty loud and said, how can you believe in God? God has nothing to do with science. You can't prove God. So all the other speakers heard this in the green room, and it was quite awkward. And I thought, I can return the awkwardness. So I said this first thing that just came to my mind, which was, do you have a girlfriend? <laughs> I don't know, it's just what I, came, it's what I thought of. And he said he did, and I said, can you prove to me using science that your girlfriend loves you? Then it got really silent. <laughs> but I was on a roll. So I said, yeah, that's right, no, you can't. Because every area of study has its own method of proof. And you can't put science in a place that it ought not be. So every area of study is different and proves things differently. Science is different than philosophy, which would be different than a court of law, or different than archaeology, or different than theology, and different than your girlfriend. And this is exactly why we're talking about this today, because there is this tension between God and science, and if these two things can really go together. I want to share a verse with you. Uh, you actually saw this early in the series from Pastor Matt. I want to come back to it again. It's Romans 1.20. Now, this comes under a, a fun chapter on the wrath of God that Pastor Matt will describe later. But uh, let's just focus in on this verse. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen and understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And I want to highlight two words here, the seen and the other understood. Seen, uh, they're 
semi-common in Greek, which this was translated from. But seeing really has to do with the senses, what we see and perceive and observe, kind of like what I would do as a scientist. And then the understood has a bit more of a metaphorical look. It's uh, Jesus liked to use this word when the disciples were being knuckleheads. He would ask them, do you not understand? And that understanding, like, do you not, like, get what's going on? And uh, really, when it has come to my faith, well, really, what Paul is saying is, whether you see it and observe it or you understand it more on in an intuitive sense, God is there. God is real among creation. And I have seen exactly the same thing that as I have studied science more, it has gone more to reinforce my faith rather than degrade it. Sometimes if you're a Christian here, you can feel threatened by science. So you can feel that science might eventually undermine your faith. But there's actually a little news I have for you. If you're a skeptic, some skeptics feel that the religious use of God could undermine science. So there's kind of a mutual feeling we have going on here. We have a shared, shared uh, fear here sometimes of what science and God interplay can be like. So uh, the first thing I really want to hone in on is what's the interplay between God and science? So let's focus there for a moment. And uh, you'll see a slide come up that has to do with systems. And I'm going to explain that in a moment. But more importantly, first, I need to talk about my favorite blue pen. I like blue pens. I really like this one. And it's just beautiful. Now, if I came up to you and I asked you, did someone make this? You would say? Okay. Matt, I thought they might say yes. Okay, I was ready for this. How do you know that? Think about how do you know that someone made this? So for example, some people might say, well, I've seen pens before. But then I might say, well, do you work in a pen factory? And even if you do, have you seen this one? This one is so nice. Some people might say, well, you know, on each pen and things like this, it says it has writing and it says like made in Kentucky or whatever. But if you take a look, this pen has nothing written on it. Others might say, well, you don't find pens like this in nature. But what if I told you that I was in a forest one day and I saw this between a stick and a rock? <laughs> now, I could go on, but you have this intuitive or, according to Romans 1.20, understanding that someone made this. That just makes sense. And there's actually a science behind uh, is something designed or not? So and the way I would explain this is this is actually a system. And a system has three parts. One part is the source. What is the genius who thought, I'm going to make a blue pen? And thought of all the parts that would go along with that. That's what we call the source. The second part is the process. So what is the process that had to be gone through in order to collect the plastic, the ink, and fashion it in these beautiful, curvaceous, but perfect lines. That's the process. And then we have the final existing system, which is the pen itself. 
Okay, now me as a pen user, I'm the end user here. I don't have to care who made this. I don't even have to think about that. I don't have to care about the process, how it operates or how it came to be. That doesn't matter to me. As an end user, I realize over time, oh, the cap comes off. And if I touch this to a piece of paper, usable markings are made. So as an end user, it doesn't matter. I don't care necessarily, or I don't have to care about the source or the process. Now, unfortunately, uh, if we extend this to our universe and think about us in our universe, the same idea applies. If I'm an end user or somebody who just exists in the universe, I don't have to care if a source exists. I can still exist here. I can still operate and live my life. I don't have to care about the process, how the universe came to be or how it operates right now. doesn't matter to me. I can just live in the system, if that makes sense. And that's totally fine with me. And this is essentially what happens if you come from a skeptical background, you might say there is no source. I just, there's everything else. And uh, that's, that's very easy to do. Now, I heard that some of you are engineers or from science backgrounds. If you think about the source, the process in the system, think which one does science and engineering really fit into? If you're thinking the process, that's totally right. Whether you're an atheist or a theist, the process is what describes science. So if somebody comes to me and says, oh, and this has happened many times, I don't believe in God because of science. In my mind, I know they don't know what they're talking about because the science is the process. And you still have to answer the source question. Science is not going to prove or disprove the idea of God. Because I'm a Christian, I believe that the source is God. But that is not proved or disproved by science, if that makes sense. Those are two things that go into the holistic look of our universe, but they're two things that I need to consider. They have an interplay, but I need to consider them separately in one sense. Uh, similarly, I don't know if you've heard this, but sometimes people might say, well, I don't believe in God because of evolution. Reg regardless of what you believe about evolution, you still have to ask the source question. That source question still exists. Is there a God or is there not a God? Evolution is not going to answer that question for you. Similarly, science is not going to answer that question for you. Uh, now, uh, if we kind of keep on this universe train, there is a theory that scientists used to describe the beginning of our universe. I think it's been mentioned already in the series. Does anybody know what that theory is? Yeah, it's called the Big Bang Theory. I have a schematic that's going to appear on the slide here. And basically, bang is not quite the right word, really. It's a major expansion that happened very quickly. And after that point, there was something called quark confinement. And then time began, matter began, energy, etc. And then you... Okay, you came out, etc. There's more to it. Ask your science friend who's next to you. Okay. Now, uh, what is really significant is trying to figure out, see where I have the question mark here. 
people ask, what is the question mark? And there's a lot of answers to that. As a Christian, I would say God. But uh, what is that source? Some people might say nothing. There was nothing at all. Or some people might say, I don't know. Or there's esoteric ideas. If you watch like Marvel, then you learn about the multiverse, kind of. Or, or things like that. Now, all these ideas are not necessarily mutually exclusive, but we wonder, what is the source? Now, the nice thing is, uh, if me, as a theist or a Christian, I say that God exists, and then on the other side, there might be a skeptic who says there's nothing, the question mark is nothing, both of us actually have something in common, because we cannot prove that using science. That is an assumption that we have about the beginning of our universe. So there is, there is some interplay there between science and God, but let's kind of take it a step further. My second point that I want to make is that science is not a worldview. Science is not a worldview. Let me explain both of those. First of all, science, because that's our favorite. Science is this idea that you can gather observations, look at patterns and things like that as this first source, and then the scientist comes in and interprets that data. Sometimes we call that empirical science. So uh, science is this whole process. Now, on the other hand, there's something totally different that we call a worldview. A worldview is how, we, how a person views the world. They have a set of core assumptions under uh, for whatever they believe, and this can be conscious or unconscious. And then out of those assumptions, their values, their behavior, their culture, etc., extends outwards. There's a lot of worldviews out there. There's the Christian worldview, for example, and a lot of other religious worldviews. And then there's non-religious worldviews like modernism or postmodernism or nihilism, Lots of things like that. But I want to focus on two that you see on the slide here. That's the Christian worldview versus the naturalistic worldview. Uh, both of these have core assumptions in them. For example, as a Christian, I think, I assume there is a God. And uh, God uh, interacts with his people, but people uh, sin and have rebelled against God. So God had this plan to send Jesus as a mediator that we might believe in him and live with him forever. On the other side, there's a naturalistic or skeptic worldview, which assumes that matter is all there is. There's no spiritual. And so you live your life accordingly, science uh, sort of directs you of sorts and you learn what you can from it. And then when you die, boom, you're gone. And there we go. So there's these two different worldviews. Both have assumptions, whether there's a God or whether there's no God, there's still assumptions and that affects how we live our life. Now, some of us, uh, if you're a Christian, might feel threatened a little bit because the naturalistic worldview seems to have science on his side. But in fact, science is not attached to worldview, or science is not a worldview in and of itself. So myself, as a theist or someone who believes in God, can say, uh, I believe in science. And in fact, I believe it's God's fingerprint on how, he, how everything came to be. We're learning more about God when we learn more about science. So science is not attached to a worldview. 
though often like in the classroom, on social media, things like that, people attach science with their belief that God is not there. But really, that's not a fair uh, attachment. Um, and in fact, you might be thinking, well, how, why does, why does Christianity have assumptions? Is that okay? Like, does the Bible have assumptions? If you take a look at your Bible, even if you open to the first chapter, first verse, it says, in the beginning, God There is no philosophical proof there. It's just deal with it. God's there. Things started. We go. Boom. That's it. So there is no rigorous proof of that, philosophical or scientific or otherwise. Now, as you read through your Bible, you might be more and more convinced over time, but still you have that core assumption of God existing. You have to remember that the Bible is a focused book. It doesn't talk about everything, and it's totally okay with that. There's no discussion of bananas in the Bible. It's not teaching me how to make rice perfectly. I don't know how to make an apple pie from this. It's a focused book. Similarly, I have a very heavy chemistry book. This is the chemistry book I teach out of. Don't worry, I'm strong, so I'm able to carry it. This book is also focused. It talks about certain things in chemistry, but it does not talk about bananas. It does not talk about how to make rice perfectly or an apple pie, etc. All books have a particular focus. The Bible is theologically focused with its assumptions. In this case, my chemistry book has its assumptions and it has a chemistry focus. And that's totally normal and we can expect that Uh, we don't have to be surprised by God. And so just because, you might wonder, well, just because the Bible or Christianity, there might be assumptions in it, you might wonder, does that mean I have blind faith if I believe? Well, you possibly could. I've met many Christians when I've asked them, well, why do you believe what you believe? They're like, I don't know, but I'm feeling it. And, and that happens, but at the same time, I've actually asked skeptics, hey, tell me why you believe your worldview, and they don't have an answer either. Anyone can have blind faith. We can give it around just like cash. Uh, it's, uh, it's not attached to religion or Christianity per se. Anything you do could have blind faith. Uh, I can say for me that I've landed on the theistic or Christian worldview because I believe it answers life's questions the best. Uh, you might, you might, as you hear that, you might be thinking, wait a minute, I, I'm a Christian, but people have asked me questions about the Bible and stuff like that, and I haven't had a good answer. And I would say that definitely happens If you have, if you're taking a worldview in particular, like Christianity or something like that, any trained philosopher or someone like that can come in and deconstruct your worldview at any point. Uh, That's what they like to do. They can even deconstruct their own worldview. That's totally normal. But it's not fair to take a worldview in a vacuum and say, what do I think about this? 
you really need to look at worldviews side by side and stack them up to each other. And when I look at all the worldviews, how do they answer? How do they affect? Do they make sense? Uh, do they answer life's questions? And then again, for me, I believe the Christian worldview has answered life's questions the best, and that's where I land. Now, you might wonder, how has this impacted my faith in God, specifically with regards to science? And so I want to get to the third thing I wanted to focus on, which is how is science compatible with God? I actually gave you one example so far, and that's with the Big Bang. Uh, Some Christians uh, feel threatened a bit by things like the Big Bang Theory because they think would this undermine our faith. But actually, I'd recommend you feel super happy about it because before the Big Bang, scientists used to believe that there was no beginning. But after the theory of the Big Bang came out, there was a beginning which matches with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning. Uh, Now, I want to show you another example. Those of you who uh, are science engineers, you've been waiting for this moment of an actual science example, so your thirst will be sated soon. Those of you who are not the science people in the room, you need to breathe for a second. I will say some sciencey things. I think you will survive. Okay. All right. I want to give you one example. Uh, of course, talk to me afterwards if you want to hear about other things or ask me other questions. But I want to give you an example and do a thought experience uh, experiment between something in science called relativity and then something in theology we call omniscience. Uh, let me say a little bit about omniscience first. It's this idea that God can be all-knowing. He can know past, present, and future and not be confused. He just has that wealth of knowledge and discernment. Uh, now, from a, if you're thinking about this, just kind of like omniscience, this sounds magical. Like, how is this even possible? There's no analog to that. Nothing is like that. So it's kind of weird if you think about it. Uh, Well, I want to do this thought experiment with relativity. Relativity is this idea that uh, came with Einstein about 100 years ago and was developed over time. There's lots of parts to it, but I want to focus on one part, and that is how time and velocity go together. Okay, here it is. Uh, Relativity says this, the faster something goes, the slower time goes from the point of view of the observer. One more time. The faster time goes, the faster something goes velocity-wise, the slower time goes. I'll give you an example that may flesh this out for you. It's called the Hoffelakidin experiment. It was done in 1971. We'll have a slide on here. uh, Where they took these very synchronized, uh, these completely synchronized cesium atomic clocks. They're really precise. You see them in the lower left-hand side of the picture there. And they left some on the ground, and they put some on a plane, okay? Just like any plane that you might travel domestically or internationally on. That plane flew around and then landed back down. What do you think the scientists observed about the clocks that were on the ground versus the clocks that were on the plane? They were no longer synchronized, and the one on the plane was behind in time. 
So uh, this reaches its apex as you go faster and faster. So the universal speed limit is something we call the speed of light, which is pretty much the fastest something can go. Light is going so fast that time is neither here nor there. Your clock basically stops moving. I know you get this, but the person next to you is not understanding this right now. <laughs> okay. So again, uh, light is traveling so fast that time is not moving. And this is something that Einstein, again, told us decades ago. His formulas calculated exactly what happened during the Huffleckian experiments. And that's where I want to pause with the science for a moment. You can breathe. Uh, yes, you made it. Uh, and then I want to tie this in with omniscience. So let's go back to omniscience for a second and God. God uh, in Scripture is, describes himself and is described as light. You'll see two passages uh, come up, and it says this. Uh, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And it also said that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So God himself is associating himself with light. And we know that God is outside of time, seeing past, present, and future. Or I might put it like this if we go to the next slide. If modern science tells us that light can be, quote, outside of time, then we are not as surprised that God himself, who is omniscient, can be, quote, outside of time. These are the things like this that really get me awestruck with God because now, in the past, we used to think, Wow, how could, God, how could things like omniscience exist? There's no modern analog. But there actually is. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God is a photon. I'm not saying that this is a proof for God. What I'm saying is that there, we need not be as surprised that God can do these things because there are things in nature that operate the same way. In an analogous sort of way, uh, God has designed the universe so that it kind of operates like him. And with Einstein and with modern science, there's actually a wealth of knowledge that came out of that that made these interesting touch points with God. So uh, what does this all mean? Well, uh, I think you can have both God and science together. I think they can be completely compatible. And in fact, I think we exist uh, in kind of living in faith all the time. For example, you came to church this morning and you decided to sit down on your chair assuming it wouldn't break, even though you did that unconsciously. That might have been a good decision because you don't usually see pews fall over in this church. Maybe you have, I don't know. But maybe you probably don't usually see that, so that's a good assumption, but you had to take that unconsciously on faith. Similarly, as I mentioned, again, somebody married me, and when we were dating, I had to do my due diligence as a good science and research if this was going to work. So when Peggy and I were dating, 
I had to think, okay, does, is there evidence here? Okay, well, we both like to watch TV. She also thinks I'm hilarious. And we're a match. So, right? If you need other relationship advice, let me know later. So, but when I, get to the, when I got to the altar at our wedding, and you're going to say your I do's, I realized at that point, I can't know for 100% certainty what's going to happen. I have to take a step of faith. Now, I had reason for that faith, good or bad, but I realized that I had to take a step of faith. Now, 19 years later, I still don't know where the future will go. But I have to take a step of faith that we're going to remain committed to each other regardless of what happens. So we're always existing in this kind of tension of faith. Again, I think a person can have both. Um, That's one reason that I'm drawn towards Jesus is because Jesus... uh, is he said the amazing things and he did things that no one else did. And I find Jesus as completely unique. And so within the Christian worldview, it has just totally moved me. Einstein, looking at someone outside of religion, said this in 1954, science with religion is lame, without religion is lame, and religion without science is blind. Now, Einstein didn't hold to any particular institutional religion, but he knew that there was some sort of interplay. He knew that these sort of things went together. A factoid that you might not be familiar with is that compared to the average populations, if you pull scientists with PhDs, you'll find that scientists with PhDs, there are a higher percentage of believers in God as compared to the average population. So in fact, it's the reverse of what social media and other things might tell you. Uh, I want to close with a sunset example. I think you've heard of sunsets before. Here's a picture of a sunset in Davis. And as you look at this, I want you to think, how does this, What do you think, or how does this make you feel? Like, think about that in your mind or heart. Uh, And I just want to share some of the things I've heard that might resonate with what what you might be thinking or feeling. People have said, well, when I see pictures like this, or I think of a sunset, uh, I think of artistry. Or I think, wow, that's beautiful. That's amazing. People get inspired People think, oh, this is a place I want to take a date. Things like that. And maybe you were thinking some things like that. And if you were, I was a little concerned about that because that's not what I think at all. I think of our sun, which is a main sequence G2 type star, undergoing electronic transitions, giving off electromagnetic radiation with a certain wavelength and frequency, going through and being perceived by the cones and rods in my eyes. And then the neurotransmitter tell me, I see this. I call that a sunset. (laughs) If I compare your answer with my answer, if they're different, which one is correct? If you think about it, yeah, 
Both are necessary. If you have one and not the other, you are missing a bigger piece, this holistic piece. And if we extend this further, if we think of our world, if we uh, think only of the beauty and miss the science, we're missing something. Or if we think only of the science and miss the beauty of God, we're missing something. So I would encourage all of you, if you're a believer, to think, why do you believe what you believe? And if you're someone who is seeking an interest in God but not sure, to actually investigate and see if God shows up. Continue coming to church. Continue asking questions. And look for God to show up. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have done. You are creator, and you have made both the creation and science for us to be in awe of you. I pray, Lord, um, that you would bless both the Christians here and the seekers to know you more. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. May you know the richness of God, the richness of Christ more. May you know the richness of his world and his creation and his universe. And may you be blessed and bless others because of it. Amen.